Hello everyone and welcome to episode 28 of season 1, Reading with Grace, where we will continue reading The Unwanted's Island of Fire. Today we will be picking up from chapter 19, but first a recap of chapters 14 through 18. On Warbler, Lonnie's eyesight is starting to come back, but Sam Heed's is not. Once someone noticed Lonnie could see, they pulled her away from Sam Heed, who was left alone in the cave. Sky and Alex finally figured out all the dot painting words to be believe, commence, breathe, whisper, and imagine. When Alex followed the rest of the instructions in the clue by Mr. Today, Artemay was restored. All of the creatures woke up and had no idea what was going on, but Alex ran to the ocean for Simber. He waited, but nothing happened until suddenly the sea exploded. That's the end of the summary. Enjoy the episode! 19. Breaking the News It was as if the sea had wings, its destination the sky. The water shot up like a geyser to an enormous height, and once it reached its zinth, it fell back to the surface in sheets, slapping and booming like thunder, until only the creature responsible for the watery show remained airborne. At the first sound, Alex had looked up, and now, with his chest stuck in a gasp and his heart throbbing in his throat, he scrambled to his feet and began waving like mad to the giant stone cheetah half a mile out. It took Simba a good deal less time to cover the distance than it had taken Alex, who had been dragging the unconscious Megan through the water. And before Alex could fully comprehend that his beloved Simba was truly not melting in silt on the sea's floor, the cheetah descended and came to an elegant stop next to Alex. He arched his back and shook himself wildly, his stone skin rippling as water fell around him. Simber, Alex breathed, and when the beast had finished shaking, Alex flung himself around the cat's neck and held on for dear life. After a long moment, Alex found his voice again. I don't even know where to start, he said, his face pressed against the cold stone of Simber's neck. He smeared his tears across his dirty cheek, trying to wipe them away. I can only guess when went wrong, Simba gargled. He cleared his throat. We lost a lot, Alex said, then closed his lips and pressed them together. The last I remember, we were on our way home. Then I woke of all places underwater. He shuddered at the thought. It took a bit of time to get my bearings and swim toward the surface. Alex nodded and let go of the cheetah, but was unable to look the statue in the eye. Simba regarded the boy's ragged, dirty appearance carefully and wrinkled up his nose. How long has it been since I froze? He began to lick the remaining droplets of water off his back and legs. Alex took a breath, hoping to steady his voice. Weeks, Alex said. Simba stopped licking and stared hard at the boy. His expression didn't falter, but his eyes gave away everything. Couldn't Marcus... He stood alert and sampled the air, his ears moving wildly. Where is he? Why are you wearing his robe? Alex couldn't speak. His lips trembled. Alex, Simba roared, answer me. He's dead, Alex shouted, more from fear than anything. When the cat reared back in shock, Alex said it again, softer this time. He's dead, most likely from the moment you fell to the bottom of the sea. Simber stared at Alex for a long moment, searching the boy's face, and then he closed his eyes, his head fell. Tell me, he whispered. Alex swallowed hard, his throat still sore and dry as toast. Megan and I were thrown from the boat. She almost drowned. We barely made it to shore. When we did, Artemy was gone. Oh, Marcus, Simber said, eyes still closed, winced as he imagined it. 
his beloved creator, his closest friend. The cat held still for a very excruciatingly long moment, as if pulling his thoughts together to make sense, accepting and realizing of it, bracing himself for what was to come. And then he opened his eyes. And you brought Artemy back, he said, not a question. Alex swallowed hard. Yeah, finally. I'm sorry it took me so long. I'm just... I'm so glad to see you. Simber lowered his head so that his eyes were even with the young mages. I am very proud of you, he said. Some people left, Alex whispered. He dropped his gaze, the lump in his throat too big to allow his voice to come through. It may have been an accident, but Simber's muzzle brushed against the side of Alex's head, which nearly looked like an act of kindness, but no one was around to point it out. In a gentle voice, Simber asked, Where do things stand now? When Alex could speak, he said, It's pretty crazy right now. Everyone headed for the mansion because we've been sort of, well, starving to death, I guess. I sent Florence and Miss Octavia to find Cena and Mr. Appleblossom for answers. I hope they're settling everyone down. I had to come here. I had to wait for you. Of course, Simber murmured. His stony brow furrowed. Seen in Siegfried, not Claire. She's, Alex said and shook his head. She's gone too. No, Simber said, the word turning into a ferocious growl that hurt Alex's ears. Who is responsible for this? Alex's face pallid. He gazed in the direction of the gate. The new high priest of Quill, Aaron Stowe. The new... Simber's jaw opened, but for once he was incapable of finishing. Just as he attempted to repeat Alex's words a second time, Sky came running up at full speed. She seemed surprised at the size of Simber and planted her feet in the sand to stop her momentum just short of her goal, not wanting to get too close to the beast, as she'd never seen him before. She reached out carefully to grab Alex's arm, tugging at him and gesturing for him to follow. Her expression worried Alex. "'Something's wrong,' Alex said to Simber. "'I'll tell you everything when I get a chance. Come on.' He followed Skye, who had taken off at a run. "'Indeed,' Simber said, and he lopped alongside the two. Several yards before they reached the mansion, Simber stopped. "'Something's shaking,' he said. Alex held up. "'What? I don't feel anything.' Sky urged Alex onward. "'Something is shaking,' Simber said again. "'The mansion. It's shaking.' He looked hard at the mansion and then bounded toward it. "'Something is terribly wrong inside.'" Twenty, Behind the Wall once the first box of Quill's wall near the High Priest Aaron's palace had been removed, the rest of them came down much more easily. Between meetings about how to distribute the extra food items to those who had earned it, and planning sessions where Aaron gave Eva list upon list of fairly useless chores to keep her busy and test her loyalty, the new High Priest made his way toward the office window to watch the progress. All day, the same thing nigged at him. Why would Justina have built the wall in the first place, if there was nothing to worry about on the other side? Was it simply her way of controlling the people of Quill through fear? If so, it didn't quite sit right with Aaron. Toward the end of the day, all the workers but one had begun to slow down, much to Aaron's distaste. It was distracting to have to keep checking on them, only to see most of them taking short breaks to drink water or rest their tired backs. Even more frustrating was the one who worked solidly, for Aaron would have liked to find fault with him especially. After one such trip to the window, Aaron had had enough of their slacking. Frowning, he strode out of his office and down to the palace entry, flying out the door and its cloak billowing behind him. 
There was a strong breeze coming through the opening, which was both delightful and unsettling, for Quill rarely had more than a tiny hint of wind coming over the walls. Aaron felt so exposed. Putting a hole in the wall alongside the palace perhaps was not one of Aaron's smarter ideas. But look at Artemis, he argued. They're even more exposed, and nothing ill ever befell them from the outside. He approached the men, who began working much harder at the sight of him. You're slacking off, he said to them. If you continue at that place, I'll make you stay past dark. The one who'd been working hard all along put his shovel down and looked at Aaron. The others who noticed did double takes and backed away. I haven't slowed my pace, the man said, wiping the sweat from his brow. The other workers gasped. Aaron's nostrils flared. You'll address me properly, or... He couldn't think of anything, and his face flushed. The man nodded solidly, but his voice quavered. All right. I haven't slowed my pace, son, and you know it. I've always worked my hardest and taught my children to do that, too. He hesitated, then blindly barrowed onward, his voice cracking. I don't care who you are now. You'll show your father some respect. He stood stone still, but his eyes floated about, as if he knew he'd gone too far. Aaron flinched and heat rose from his collar. His mind whirled. He couldn't allow Necessary to speak to him like that. Not even his father. Not in front of the other Necessaries. If he didn't do something, word would spread that he was weak. If he didn't do something immediately... Guards! Aaron shouted. Two of them came running to Aaron's side. Take this man to the ancient sector, he said, his voice quavering the slightest bit. His time of service in Quill is done. Mr. Stowe stared at Aaron. Aaron stared back, a feeling of horror growing inside his chest when he realized what he'd just done. But he didn't take it back. The guards grabbed Mr. Stowe by the arms and shoved him toward a quilletary vehicle. The man's lips parted and a shocked look came over his face, the one of pain. Aaron, no, he said. Your mother. Aaron's face was stone. His mother, she was pregnant. He remembered from when he'd seen them in the crowd at his speech several weeks prior. Would she care that her husband was dead? She hadn't seemed to care about Alex when she thought he was dead. Mr. Stowe's shoes slipped in the gravel as he struggled to look back at Aaron, his eyes pleading. Aaron's gaze narrowed, and as the guards pushed his father into the vehicle, Aaron turned to the other's workers. "'You may want to work harder,' he said in a sinister voice. Stricken with fear, the workers began at a frantic pace to disassemble the remaining blocks. Behind Aaron, the guards drove off with Mr. Stowe, the man's bowed head visible through the back window. As soon as the noise of the jalopy had quieted, Aaron turned back to the palace and stomped to his office. Secretary, he screamed, come at once. Eva was there in a flash. What is it? She asked, alarmed. I've sent my father to the ancient sector. He looked at her. Now he couldn't stop the fear that bled into his eyes. He was disrespectful. Your father? He was one of the workers. Eva had to work very hard not to react. What she really wanted to do was punish the spoiled boy herself right that minute. But all she said was, I see. Aaron turned and began to pace. He didn't address me properly. He made me look like a fool. He swiped his hand across his desk, sending papers flying. What else could I have done? Eva didn't think he wanted an answer. If you want me to tell you you did the right thing... She didn't finish, for fear that it would get her sent to join Mr. Stowe. Aaron rounded the desk and gripped the back of his chair, muttering to himself. He deserved it. He knew very well what he should have done. Eva closed her eyes briefly and sighed, not loud enough to be heard. Even if he was right, he shouldn't have said it like that. He shouldn't have. He began pacing again. Eva waited until Aaron had finished muttering, and then she said, "'Shall I send a vehicle to retrieve him, High Priest?' Aaron's face twisted in indecision. He pounded his hands on desk in anger, and then he pressed his fingers to his temples. "'Yes,' he said finally. "'Send him home, on the condition that he remains silent on the matter.' Eva Fathom nodded and set off to an untimely death. "'Wait!' Aaron called after her, and she stopped and turned to look at him. 
there is one more condition. Tell him that he and my mother and any future children of theirs must be loyal to Quill. They will make an oath never to pledge loyalty to any sort to my brother or to Artme, as long as they live. Eva waited to make sure he was finished, and then she said, I will see to it myself. Eva left the palace, and Aaron went on again to the window, watching her go, watching the other men working and struggling below to finish their job before they collapsed. He was so deep in thought, he didn't notice that the little gargoyle statue named Matilda had climbed up and out of a box in the closet, and now stood very still, ear pointed to the opening and the door. Twenty-one. The Grey Shack. Scene met Simber, Alex, and Skye at the door to the mansion. Hundreds of unwanted celebrated beyond the entryway, spilling out of the dining room and kitchen. Simber! Scene exclaimed. Man, I'm glad to see you. But he looked more distracted than glad. He turned to Alex. We're missing people, he said, getting back to business. Megan, Henry, Crow, Mr. Appleblossom, and dozens of others. Alex's eyes widened. Megan? She was with me when I changed the world back. Well, she's not here now. She's nowhere. She was standing right inside the doorway of the shack, Alex said alarm growing in his voice. Henry and Crow were sleeping on the floor inside. They can't have gone too far. Did you check their rooms? Scene reached out and shook Alex's shoulders. I'm obviously not explaining this right. Yes, we checked everywhere. They're gone now. Everyone in the great shack, all of them are gone, disappeared, wiped out. Alex gapped. What? Gone. But, 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 Alex sputtered. Why wouldn't the people inside the Grey Shack just turn up inside the mansion once Artemis is back? It's basically the same house, isn't it? The silent girl grabbed his hand and tugged at him. Scene raised his voice. They're not here, Alex. That's all I know. My sister isn't here. I've been through all the place. Okay, okay, Alex said. I'm worried too. I'm just trying to figure this all out. Did you call out for her or the others? Of course I did, Scene said, annoyed. What's shaking the mansion? Simber growled. Scene turned to Simber. I don't feel anything shaking. Skye stomped her foot and jumped up and down, waving to get their attention. She pointed up the staircase. I think you ought to be paying more attention to the young woman, Simber remarked. The girl started up the stairs, looking over her shoulder to see if anyone was coming. Simber bounded up the stairs after her, with Scene and Alex right behind. As they neared the top of the staircase, they too could feel a bit of a tremble in the floor. Scene and Sky stopped at the landing, the girl feeling along the wall where the mostly secret hallway was. Scene pressed his ear up against what was an open space to Alex. It's behind this wall, Scene said. Alex gave Simber a questioning look. Simber's eyes narrowed. He nodded at Alex, urging him to take the lead. There's a secret hallway there, Alex said quietly to Scene and Sky. Simber and I can see it. You guys stay here. If anything weird happens, or if we don't come back, find Octavia and Florence. They can get in too. Scene raised an eyebrow. Well, I guess I never knew about that. He seemed a bit put out. Alex smiled grimly. Not too many people can see it. He turned to Simber. Let's go. They entered the mostly secret hallway, leaving Scene and a very startled silent girl watching them disappear through the wall. Simber and Alex had both glanced left at the door to Mr. Today's private chambers. They caught each other's eye but didn't speak. They would have to pay a visit to that room eventually when things settled down. But now Simber stopped in front of the door across the hallway from it. Have you ever been in here? Alex nodded. Once. It's the Museum of Large. His memory of the visit was foggy after all he'd encountered in the past weeks. Can you get in? Alex thought hard. I can, if I remember the spell. He pressed his ear against the door but heard nothing, only feeling his shaking against his cheek. 
He racked his brain for the spell to get in. It had been so long since he'd been able to do magic, and such a long time since he'd have even a second to think about any other spells than the one to restore the world, that it took him a while to engage that part of his brain. He turned to Simber. Can you tell what's going on in there? What if it... what if it's dangerous? That hasn't stopped you before, Simber said. He sniffed under the door. Something's familiar, he said, and then he shook his head. But the door is magically sealed. I can't really tell. Alex closed his eyes and let his forehead rest against the door, trying to picture his visit to this room with Mr. Today. What was that dreaded spell? He mentally ran through all the museum's items that he could remember in case while he offered a clue. The library, the pirate ship, the whale, the gray shack. The shack, Alex murmured. He opened his eyes and stared, unseeing at the door. Oh, say, the gray shack is in there, he said, getting excited. Whoa, wait, let me think this through. When I was in here before, I remember seeing the gray shack. Only it was behind this really awesome whale skeleton, and I didn't go over to look at it. Do you think, he said, and then he paused and started again. Do you think that when Artemis disappears, all that remains of the plot of land is the gray shack, and that when Artemis exists, the shack automatically restores itself to this room? What I think is that you should open the door, Simber said dryly, but he looked relieved at Alex's revelation. The shaking is probably a few dozen angry unwanteds jumping up and down and they are trying to get our attention. Probably, phew, Alex said, and now that the pressure was off, the spill filtered into his brain. Ah, that's right, I've got it. He reached for the handle and muttered, door number one. When the door popped open, the sounds of fifty or more screaming unwanteds pierced Alex's ears, but none of them were jumping. Instead, they ran around hysterically, being chased by an enormous mastodon statue, whose thunderous steps were doing all the shaking. Alex and Simber stared at the scene, and then Alex gasped and pointed. The silent boy crow hung precariously thirty feet above the floor from one of the mastodon's gleaming tusks. Twenty-two. Old Tater Alex and Simber charged into the room, assessed the situation at top speed. Buckets of crud! When I brought back the world to life, I think it woke up this guy! Alex yelled over the din. You think? Hey, old tater! Simber roared to get the statue's attention, and then he turned back to Alex. I thought Marcus got rid of him years ago. He couldn't stand to get rid of him. Why am I not surprised? Alex nearly grinned despite the situation. Okay, let's get the people out of here. Then you distract him, and I'll see if I can locate the spell in one of these books to put him back to sleep. He gulped. The two bounded over in the huddled group of unwanteds, Alex waving and pointing to the open door, and Simba racing around the perimeter of the museum, shouting instructions and nudging unwanteds in the proper direction. Within a few minutes, the majority of people had made it out into the hallway safely. There were a few injured, and after Simber had flown up high enough to wrap his jaws around Crow and pull him from the mastodon's tusk, he deftly picked up on the injured ones who couldn't make it out on their own. Just as the last unwanted exited the museum, Alex lunged and slammed the door shut. Not that the creature could get through it at his size, of course. But Alex wasn't taking any chances on a stray tusk or a beefy leg reaching through the opening. Simba raced around the museum like a kitten at play, letting the giant beast nearly catch him, but getting away just in time, while Alex scrambled for the books, searching for spells that would be powerful enough to soothe the beast, and turning back into a non-living statue. "'It would have been nice if Mr. Today had kept this place a little more organized,' Alex shouted. 
organized wasn't exactly his modest operandi, if you know what I mean. Simber said as he circled close to Alex. Alex wasn't sure what that term meant, but he liked how it sounded, and he vowed to look it up just as soon as everything calmed down. The Mastodon took a swipe at Simber and missed, tripping and falling into a whale skeleton and sending hundreds of bones flying in all directions. Alex ducked as a rib flew past his ear and he yelled, Aw oh, man, that's a pity right there. You're telling me. Maybe you could keep him away from the breakables, eh? Maybe I could let him crush you into tiny bits, Simba replied, charging to the Decker's corners of the museum, where Alex hadn't even begun to explore. The Mastodon followed. Well, there's always that, Alex muttered, flipping pages. Ten more minutes of tireless chasing had gone by before Alex had opened upon a thin book called Tater. He whipped through the pages outlining diet, likes and dislikes, and deposition of issues, all the way to the end, when his eyes alighted on the one spell that might actually do him some good. It was a spell called Nighty Night Tater, so he knew it was probably the right one. He studied it carefully, still not totally comfortable using spells without components to go with them. He never knew what to do with his hands. Once he memorized it, he tossed the book over his shoulder and snuck between the enormous museum items to try to give himself a good angle. Lead him back to this empty spot, he shouted to Simber. Simber did it, and when the Mastodon was in the general area of where Alex wanted him, Alex began to sing a little lullaby. It was undoubtedly the dumbest, most embarrassing song Alex had ever sung, but what choice did he have? He was glad almost no one was there to hear it. He took a deep breath and sang, Tater, tater, boy, too much sadness, no repeats. I am sorry, more than sorry, but it's time for you to sleep. When Alex was finished, the giant Mastodon statue froze in place, and everything was quiet again. Simber had rumped a few times, trying not to laugh. Knock it off, Alex muttered, and then hoped Simber hadn't heard him. This place is trash, he said as he met up with the cat at the door. We'll have to come back in here and clean it later. He reached the handle. Door number one. The door opened to the hallway and approximately 50 pairs of eyes met their gaze. Oh, Alex said surprised. Hello, I thought you'd have had it down by now. He saw that the injured among them were feeling better now that the danger had passed and everyone was sitting up. Henry snuck through the space between two adults. We're still trapped, he announced. Walled in over here, glass wall here. He tapped it to prove the predicament. How'd you find us anyway? And where are we? The crowd murmured its concerns. Alex's lips parted. He didn't quite know what to say. They couldn't see out to where scenes stood on the other side of the wall. How was he going to get them all out of here if he couldn't go through the opening to the balcony? He caught the sight of Megan just then, and he was relieved to see her acting completely fine. She had an arm around Crow, who looked more scared than Simber than he'd been of the Mastodon. After all, he'd seen neither today, and had only been inside the mouth of one of them. Well, Alex said, scrambling to sound calm, I can at least give you a little more room to stretch out. He pointed to the clear wall and muttered, glass. The wall shimmered to the ground and disappeared. Okay, he said, turning back to the unwanteds. You can move to the end now, but please stay in the hallway. Don't go into any of the side rooms, okay? I'll get you some water from the kitchens and move you out of here just as soon as I can figure out how to open up that wall. Alex had no idea how to do that, or if it was even possible. He didn't know if there actually was a specific spell on this hallway at all. He always thought it just took a certain kind of magical ability to see it. Mr. Today hadn't made it visible or invisible to anyone as far as Alex knew. Eva Fathom had been able to get in on her own, and when Lonnie and Meg couldn't get in for the magical weapons meeting, Mr. Today had moved the meeting to the lawn. But he hadn't tried to rig it so they could get in. But what about Simber? He didn't do magic, but maybe Mr. Today had created him with the ability to see the secret hallway. I'm not sure I can fix this, Alex murmured to Simber, as the people spread out down the entire length of the hallway and sat leaning against the wall. You don't have a choice, Simber muttered back. 
Alex facing yet another obstacle and him feeling extremely hungry and thirsty himself, gripped his head and let out a frustrated groan. He headed down the hall to the kitchenette, across from Mr. Today's office, unwanted blinding the hall all the way to the end where the big picture window was. And just when Alex was trying to figure out how to tell the unwanteds that he didn't know if he could get them out without putting them all back into the gray shack and somehow shutting down the world all over again, a small voice in the doorway of the kitchenette uttered a single word. The voice belonged to Henry, and the word he said was, Dad? Twenty-three. Touch and go. Henry ran into the kitchenette. Alex right behind him. Gunner Haluki's limp body spilled out of the corner of the tube. His hands were tied behind his back, and his ankles were tied together, too. His eyes were nearly closed, his face thin and drawn, his lips perched, and his gray hair ragged and unkept. His clothes were ripped and ruined and hung loosely on him. It wasn't clear how long he'd been lying there or where he'd come from. The boys kneeled beside the former high priest. Simber, we need healers, Alex called out. Simber loped down the center of the hall and, to the unwanteds, seemed to disappear through the solid wall at the end. Dad? Henry said again, pulling his father's sleeve. Dad, can you hear me? Like a natural, Henry checked his father's vitals while Alex untied the man and rolled him onto his back. Murmurs wafted through the group of unwanteds as people expressed cautious joy that the man was alive and here with them. Henry glanced at them when he heard the kind words and he smiled gratefully as he worked. He got up and poured some water in a cup as Simba returned. None of the nurses can get in, he said, but I know Gunnar can get out. Shall I take him through to them on my back? Great idea. Good thinking, Simber, Alex said. He and a few of the others helped hoist Gunnar into the giant stone cheetah's back. But what about me? Henry said. I need to stay with him. His lip quivered enough to make Alex hesitate, but in the end, Alex knew what was best. I'm sorry, little guy, Alex said. He kneeled next to the boy. Now that Artemis is back, the nurses can help him way better than we can, and we need to help him right away. He glanced at Simber. Did you happen to notice if the hospital wing is still in place? I did, and it is, just as it was before. Finally, one thing is working out right, Alex thought. Good. Okay, Henry, give your dad some encouragement, and then off he goes. Henry leaned down and spoke softly in his father's ear. Then he patted his father's shoulder and stepped out of the way, his face a facade of bravery. Simber carried Gunner out carefully down the hallway so he wouldn't slip off. They disappeared through the wall, and all was quiet. The unwanted faces were troubled. Hunter Priest Haluki had been good to them, and they certainly didn't want to see young Henry lose the last remaining member of his family. A few of the people went over to Henry to offer him comfort and distraction, while Alex assigned others to pass out water and some of Mr. Today's favorite cookies, which he found in the cupboard. When everyone was busy, Alex returned to the kitchenette and approached the tube to see if he could send something up from the main kitchen. Don't ever use that tube, Mr. Today had once told Alex. It goes to Haluki's house and other nasty places. Like where? Alex muttered to himself. He hesitated and then stepped toward it. Without ever spending foot inside, he poked his head in so he could see the mini blackboard and the controls. But instead of destination descriptions he was used to seeing in all the other tubes, lounge, library, dining, and room service, this one only had numbers with no explanations to go with them. Alex pressed his fingers through the throbbing temples. Everything was happening all at once. He couldn't seem to catch a break. He had to focus on now getting the people out of this hallway. But how? A cool hand touched his arm, and he turned around to see that it was Megan. She smiled at him, but there was a question in her eyes. He knew the look well enough. I'm okay, he said, and then the words fluttered out. There are just so many crazy things happening. I don't even know how to get everybody out of here. And Haluki? He obviously escaped, but how? And I feel so bad about not trying to rescue him before, you know? But how could we? Megan nodded. I mean, I had no idea he'd been treated like this. 
And wow, he said, shaking his head, we just barely had enough energy to keep ourselves alive. How could we possibly go rescuing him, too? It's all so much. It's just too much. But you look at him, didn't you? I feel terrible. Megan reached her arms around her friend and hugged him. Just then, Summer bounded toward the hallway and stopped at the open door of the kitchenette. Alex, he said. Gunnar spoke. Oh, good, Alex breathed. Maybe the man had looked worse off than he really was. He said, Claire's alive. She's in his house, locked in the pantry. Megan's hand went to her mouth and Alex's jaw dropped. She is? Is he sure? He heard Eva Fathom talk about her just yesterday. There are two guards, sometimes three, in the house at all times. Simber's stone face was earnest. If you use the tube in your spells, you might be able to surprise them. Alex pressed his lips together. If we... But the tube, it's all numbers. I don't know which button to press, and I don't know... It's number one to Luki's office, Simber said in a low voice. I know that much from Marcus. Two of you could go together in the tube if you can fit. That would be the best way, I would think. Alice looked hard at Simber. You're serious? Yes. Okay. Outside a heavy sign squeezed his eyes shut. Sorry, he said. Of course we need to go. We need to go now. Just let me uh get some components, and then, Meg, are you up for it? Megan's eyebrows shot up. She shook her head, pointing to her neck. She can't use verbal components, Simber translated, though Alex didn't really need him to. He'd just forgotten for a moment. Okay, well, who from this group? Alex muttered, peeking around the corner at the doorway and scanning the crowd. He didn't know many of the adults well, and he didn't trust the ones he knew to be great at magic, since they'd never been used to it for defense until recently. He turned back to Simber and whispered, Or is there anybody else can get into this stupid hallway? Perhaps Octavia, Simber began, but she's... Megan frowned, shaking her head, and then she turned Alex around by the shoulders and pointed to someone. Who? Alex asked. She pointed especially hard, and Alex followed her finger. Henry? Are you kidding? Megan rolled her eyes and looked at Simber. Simber spoke. It's a good choice. He's a little kid. Hasn't he been through enough? It's his house. Think, Alex. Alex thought, and then he said, Oh, and all his way around. Places to hide and know how to find the pantry. And he's small enough to fit in the tube with you, so you can attack together rather than one at a time. Alex thought about that, too. He thought about how well Henry picked up the spells, even though he only been Artemis for a short time. The key was little-headed and smart, sure, and he was quick. But Alex cringed. What if something happens to him? I mean, he thought of Lonnie and nearly lost his composure. Simmer looked at the floor. I know, but he's our best choice, and we need her. He glanced at Megan. We need Claire. She's more than a friend. She's like family. To me, that is. Now that. Simmer growled sharply to Claire's throat, causing many of them wanted in the hall to cast a nervous glance in the direction of the kitchenette. Megan gave Alex an imploring look. Alex gazed from one face to the other and closed his eyes wearily. Okay. When Simber spoke with Henry, Alex ran out of the secret hallway into the boys' hallway to his room to collect as many other components as his now tattered vest could hold. It was strange to be back in his comfy quarters again. He yearned for a nap in his bed. What happened to you? Alex's blackboard Clive sneered, as if he'd just seen him this morning. Nothing, Alex said. Just, I'll tell you everything someday. 
He grabbed handfuls of origami dragons, scatter clips, balls of clay for shackles, and blinding highlighters, and scuffled them into his pockets. He paused, looking at the little pile of heart attack components, so simple and innocent. He grabbed them, his face twisting a crude grimace. He hesitated, and then he tossed them into a drawer and slammed it shut. Never again, he muttered. As he rushed out of the door, he heard an old familiar words ring out from Clive. Don't die! Thank you.